Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. It is the Oz Network coming to you once again for a spoiler-free review movie episode with me, Ben, by myself today, as we talk about a very interesting, very controversial Australian movie that has just been released in the last few weeks. A movie called Nitram, which if anybody is uh, unfamiliar with what this movie is about or why it is causing a bit of controversy, not only in Australia, but particularly in my home state of Tasmania, uh, it's essentially a movie, uh, almost a, a biopic on uh, a, a man by the name of Martin Bryant, who if people are unfamiliar with who that is or, or who that uh, person or why he's so, I guess, infamous. Uh, he, he was a man behind a mass shooting in Australia back in 1996 at a place called Port Arthur here in Tasmania in which he killed 35 people and to this day uh, still is in prison essentially for what he did. I mean, it was a very tragic event, of course. Uh, it, was, it was such an event that essentially it changed history in Australia. Gun laws were brought in and have some of the strictest gun laws essentially anywhere in the world. And if anybody, say, in the US is listening to us and often hears about Australia always being referenced when it comes to changing of gun laws and based on what happened in Australia, it came after this event uh, on April 28th, 1996. And it, it is an event that not only any Australian who was around back in 1996, but particularly Tasmanians as well, still hold uh, as something that is extremely raw, extremely hard to talk about, extremely hard to fathom happened uh, where it did. And that is why this film has caused a lot of controversy. It was announced last year that this was happening. And I remember when it was announced and just the, the backlash that was automatically put against the filmmakers of this movie and the fact, too, that they even looked to film it in Tasmania and, and essentially the Tasmanian government said, nope, you were, you were, you were not filming it here. This, there is no way that we can condone a movie based on that event being filmed in Tasmania. So right from the get-go, it was something that was extremely controversial. And now that it has been out for a couple of weeks... Uh, it's still causing a bit of controversy. And, and I guess the reason why there's been a bit of a delay and even being able to bring this review to you is that I'm currently based in Tasmania and they didn't even want to show the film in Tasmania at all. They essentially, there was backlash about screening it in Tasmania in general. So it took a couple of weeks for one cinema here to essentially decide that we will show it, the state cinema in Hobart. And even in showing it, there was no advertising, no posters, no trailers, no nothing for this film, essentially. You had to be wanting to see it. 
and looking out for it, essentially. They even released a statement on their website saying that they have gone against what they essentially wanted to do and will show the film. So, as you can imagine, this has been, obviously, a big talking point in Tasmania, in Australia, and it's still very interesting that even a couple of weeks now after this has been released in the country and, and now at the time of releasing this, about a week or so in Tasmania, that it is still causing the, the amount of, I, I guess, controversy that it is. But we're here to, to talk about the film. Uh, I'm going to give my viewpoints on it. This is it's probably the most unique review I'm, I'm ever going to do on this show because if people listen to us here on the Oz Network, we're, we're, we're generally a fun podcast. We like to joke around and have some fun and kind of just, just be silly most of the time. But obviously not going to do that on this episode because this is not a, a movie that even can remotely be talked about that and particularly on such a raw subject matter. And as a Tasmanian myself who was nine years old when this happened, I was actually meant to be at the place where the shooting happened that day. It, it's still very personally raw and, and just it is a very touchy subject to talk about. So this isn't an episode where we're going to be silly or whatever. We're just going to talk about the film and, uh, you know, leave it, a, I guess, in necessarily interpretation in terms of whether this should be a film or not. So I'm going to start off by talking about the film and then we can sort of touch on some other matters as well. So this film, directed by Justin Kurzel. Now, Justin has been around for a bit in Australia if people are not really familiar with some of his work. I guess he kind of got really renowned back in 2011 when he did a film called Snowtown. And just a side history lesson, Snowtown was based on a series of gruesome murders, the body-in-the-barrel murders in a town called Snowtown in South Australia where the murders actually didn't take place in Snowtown. The bodies that were in these barrels were discovered in Snowtown, so therefore he sort of did a movie based around the murders and everything along those lines. Now, I'll be completely honest, not a fan of that film. Uh, I, I just didn't enjoy it. Uh, and therefore, when I heard that he was attached to this film, I'm like, oh, okay, well, if it's anything like Snowtown, I'm not too sure how I'm going to feel about that. Also did a movie called The Turning and recently another film called True History of This Kelly Gang, but outside of sort of Australia, uh, probably best known for uh, the movie adaptation of the popular video game Assassin's Creed. Uh, so uh, he did that back in 2016 and he also did the 2015 version of Macbeth so he's done a few films outside of Australia and it's starring Caleb Landry Jones uh, playing the titular Nitram so should really mention obviously I mentioned the the name Martin Bryant Uh, that name is not referred to at all in this film so Nitram is Martin backwards and it is supposedly a nickname that Martin Bryant got in school so at no point do you even hear his name. I mean, in any promotional material, any reviews or anything really in, in Australia, at least that I've seen, they do not refer to Martin Bryant by name. It is still, even in Tasmania, a name that you generally don't mention because it's sort of everybody knows his name and it's sort of not a matter of, of putting publicity out there. And I'm not doing this to kind of take a stand. I think it's important to put it into context because obviously a lot of people listening to the show are probably listening outside of Tasmania and Australia, so they sort of need that, that, that context of it too. But Caleb Landry-Jones plays Nitram, and he's somebody who I guess was sort of a bit known in three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri, a, a film that Colin and I obviously did a couple of years ago and thoroughly enjoyed. He was also in Get Out um, in, in a role on that film too and kind of just been, I guess, scattered through a variety of other films 
over the years, even in Breaking Bad, which I'm discovering here too, which I didn't even realise. I, I know the character he played now that I look into it. Uh, also appeared in a few episodes of the Twin Peaks uh, reboot and Friday Night Lights. So we sort of been around that but he's getting a bit of uh buzz around his performance which i don't know if that's a correct word to really use here he won the uh the the best actor award at Cannes film festival for this movie and there is sort of a brief you know oscar buzz maybe around him maybe around justin or the film i don't think it's really gaining as much traction as some people have said but uh, obviously aired at Cannes earlier this year and uh with caleb taking the the top award there as well also in this movie, uh, pretty much an Australian cast outside because if people are not familiar with Caleb Andrew Jones, he, he's not Australian, he's from Texas. And one thing I'll just say right now, he nails the Australian accent. One of the, the best, uh, you know, American versions of an Australian accent I've ever heard because if you didn't know who this guy was, there's no way that you would be able to tell he's actually American. So uh, I will say that straight away. Uh, Judy Davis plays Nitram's mother. Uh, Anthony Parlia plays his father. And Essie Davis, very esteemed Tasmanian actor who is also actually married to the director, Justin Curzel, plays the character of Helen. Now, without sort of going into too much detail around sort of, I guess, the history of, of you know, the backstory of Martin Bryant because it's been detailed in, in books and I've read sort of the books on him and everything along those lines. Um, I mean, this movie is basically, all it is is really essentially, I guess... A, a, I don't even say a biopic. That's not really the correct term. It's sort of just looking into Martin Bryant and in terms of, you know, who he was in some way to kind of... It's not even painting a picture of why he did what he did or anything along those lines. It's just sort of, I guess, a study, a case study, I'd almost say, on on what led him to do what he did. But it's it's not done in a way where it's... You know, you know, you don't sympathise with them at all. No way do you sympathise with them. It, it, it doesn't show the shooting, anything along those lines. But, I mean, it's kind of it's it's interesting to sort of tell what the plot is about because it's sort of just really showing him, uh, sort of around how he was, um, really in throughout his early twenties, and sort of this friendship that he forms with Essie Davis's character of Helen, because in real life, it sort of. You know, he had a, a childhood where he then befriended uh, sort of, I guess you'd say, an eccentric heiress who kind of took him in and, you know, bestowed him with gifts and, and a lifestyle that he wasn't used to. And then sort of she passes away and then he's kind of dealing with that. And, you know, it's 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 not a movie that really essentially has a plot. You, you, don't, you don't go into Nitram wondering what it's about. I think this is definitely a movie that you're watching it because you know who it's about and what it's about. You don't expect to go into a film like this to be like, oh, well, beginning, middle and end. It's it's not really a film like that. It's it's more of a, I don't even know how to put it into words. It's just a look into the psyche of such a depraved human being that, that Martin Bryan obviously is. And that to me is just where this film really fascinated me in that how do you put someone like Martin Bryan on screen? How do you come across and say, this is him? Because I don't think I walked out of the cinema going, okay, I understand who he is. I, I don't even think that's the point of this film. It's just a, a look into, I guess, how someone 
like this could do something what they did and even then it doesn't give you an answer i don't think there will ever be an answer into why he did what he did but it's just sort of a take and a look going into it and i think if you've read the book so there's a book called born and bred uh which was written by um rupert wainwright back in 2009 which i believe a lot of this is based upon and that really goes into a lot of detail about him but again there's always, I guess, a fascination behind people who do such atrocious things to, to kind of try and understand why. But ultimately, I personally believe that you can never fully understand why. And I think that is what this film attempts to do, but doesn't give you an answer, if any of that makes sense. So, I mean, we obviously say these are spoiler-free reviews, but essentially this is a movie which there's no real spoilers anyway, because... Again, you kind of watch a film like this. This isn't a movie that you're just going to walk past the cinemas and go, what's Nit Tram? I'm going to see it. It's about to drop actually on streaming service Stan in Australia, I think, in the next week. And I feel this isn't definitely a movie that you would be browsing on a Saturday night. Oh, this looks interesting. I'm going to watch it. Because in no way do you leave this movie with any sense of, of joy or anything. Of course you don't. I think this is really a movie that people will seek out who are just maybe... I don't even say curious or interest because that's, again, not, I feel, the correct terminology. It's just, it's one of these films that I think you're going to watch because you know what it's about and you just kind of want to check it out. And I think that's where a lot of the sort of the controversy and everything's come around on it, which I'll get to in just a moment. I just want to say this, that, that Caleb Landry Jones is incredible in this role. Like, he, he deserves the awards that he's getting and I have not, right now seen many of the potential Oscar films for 2022 but right now knowing that this is a potential he's outstanding and it's it's a tricky thing to be able to say that and I think a lot of that actually comes from the fact that I am Tasmanian and I'm in Tasmania watching this film because I don't want to see somebody who plays somebody like that get awarded it's it's a very this is where it's a very difficult film to talk about I think and it's a very difficult film for a Tasmanian to talk about who was there but I can't not take away from the fact that Caleb Landry Jones is amazing in this role. If you if you watch this movie and know nothing about the real life events in this movie, I would be blown away by how good and how invested he obviously became in the character to put him on screen. Because I think at the end of the day, you walk out of this film feeling disturbed and uncomfortable and not okay with this character. And that's all because of Caleb Landry-Jones. He's the actor who is bringing that character to screen and he's done his job perfectly. So I will say that he is absolutely amazing in the role. As, as hard as that is to kind of say out loud, playing a character like that, he is amazing. And, I mean, everybody in this film really is amazing. Essie Davis, who... I'm sure a lot of people out there are, are very familiar with her, particularly if you're listening in Australia. Uh, she's the star of Miss Fisher's Murder Mysteries, which I believe is on Netflix in the US, big show here in Australia. She did appear in Game of Thrones. I think she first really made a name for herself uh, being in the Matrix sequels. So she she's a pretty prominent uh, actress. I had the pleasure of interviewing her probably about a decade ago for another radio show I did. Incredibly nice lady and a very, very talented uh, actress. And she, her she's just brilliant she's she's up there with Caleb in terms of just how well she is she again it's it's sort of a different level with her character because she's obviously not playing a character like Martin Bryant and she's sort of this almost heiress recluse bit quirky 
bit kind of strange and you, you she kind of puts it on screen enough to understand why there's a friendship between her and the Nick Tram character. So I think Essie Davis is fantastic, as is Judy Davis and Anthony DiPaglia. Now, I haven't seen Anthony DiPaglia in a long time in anything. So it's great to see him back. And he's just, he's the most sympathetic character in this film. Anthony DiPaglia playing Nick Tram's dad. You, you genuinely feel for him and not necessarily just for the reasons you are thinking. I've not seen Anthony Dupaglia in such a vulnerable role before. I've, I've not seen Lantana. I've, I've really not seen Anthony Dupaglia outside of probably the real, I guess, the without a traces and, and things like that. But he's so good in this film, as is Judy Davis. Judy Davis playing Nick Tram's mother, just incredible. And I will say, because Martin Bryant's actual mother has been interviewed before on Australian TV. She, she's literally somebody who you know who she is. And I've been in shopping centres and you have seen her. And, I mean, that's to the extent of how this is still that deep in Hobart and, and Tasmania because you know who his mother is. And it's not like she's getting crap on the show. I mean, not that I've personally seen. I'm sure she has. But she in herself is an interesting person through what I have seen through interviews and everything. And it's not... This movie isn't sort of, I guess like an accurate depiction of these people. It's not trying to set out to be, this is 100% who they are. Again, it's purely based on. But Judy Davis's portrayal of Nitram's mother does fit into what I have seen and know of the real Carleen Bryant. So I think kind of basing it on that, I think is very, very clever. So I think that definitely works. So the supporting cast in this film is fantastic. The locations is an interesting one because, as I mentioned before, they, they didn't film this in Tasmania. And again, anybody listening who has been to Tasmania or even who, who lives in a smaller city or town and you're very familiar with kind of how your place looks like, what they have used is an adequate depiction of where they're meant to be depicting, if that makes sense. So this was filmed in Geelong in Victoria and it looks similar enough that you believe it. Obviously, as a Tasmanian, I know it's not really where this was filmed. They do have a couple of scenes set in Port Arthur, the site where the massacre happened, and they do an adequate job of representing it to look similar enough that you believe it. Again, if you have no familiarity with Hobart or Tasmania, this will not affect you in the slightest. But as a person who spent the majority of my life in Hobart and Tasmania, it does the job. So I, I will say that that works well and I think that's important to kind of really put across here because again you could take this story and just depict it somewhere else completely and and make it a completely different location but they, they go out of their way to really get the vibe and Justin Kurzel lives in Tasmania so he obviously is someone who knows the place well even what they do with Port Arthur is very again accurate enough that you believe it, it's there so that definitely works. And and to put it into context, the house in which a lot of this is set in, so the house in which Helen lives, to which the Nick Tram character spends a lot of time in and eventually lives there by himself, to, to just get that into context of how well-known locations are just for most people in Tasmania, it was a well-known location where the real Martin Bryant lived in a suburb called Newtown in Hobart. I would catch a bus every day to school. It would go past that house every day. You knew the house. And it was a large house. It was a very big house. And the house that they use in this, while it doesn't look anything like the house, it's done on a similar scale where you believe that's what the interior of the real house would look like, if that makes sense. So 
if you're ever in Hobart and, and you, you know where he lived, you know the house. You always know the house, right? So I think they do a good job in really doing that. So I think what Justin Kurzel and and the writer Sean Grant and, and everybody really to the feel of this film have, have done a great amount of work to make it, and when I say realistic, I mean that based on the location. I think a lot of the talking point has been around the depiction of what the ultimate event is is in terms of the fact that this is based on a on a person who committed such an atrocious crime that just just still lives deep inside of Tasmanians and Australians and I think it's I mean this isn't necessarily a spoiler it's 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 been well documented out there that at no point in this film is any of the shooting depicted it it literally ends essentially on him about to and then it sort of cuts to I guess a, a voiceover which is kind of like the the news footage and then it cuts to the black and that that to me was some of the most raw part of watching this film is there are very disturbing elements in this film and not based on graphic nature or things like that the one thing that snowtown really didn't sit well with me is that just it kind of it fit in with this kind of style but then they would all of a sudden show something very graphic that was there to deliberately make you uncomfortable because it was very graphic and uncomfortable to watch this the, the graphic nature of this film comes from just psychological elements. There's a scene in which you see the Nitram character buying guns in a gun store incredibly easily. And that's uncomfortable to watch because that is a true depiction of how easily he bought these guns and how easily he was able to buy these guns and why laws in Australia changed so quickly after this event. Very uncomfortable. And there's a lot of elements in which there's just sounds that are played which make you just like they're deliberately done in a way that it goes too long. So there's a scene in which the Nitram character is in a car and he's beeping the horn essentially. And he's, it's got to be about a 30 to 60 second scene and it's, it's going on and on and on. And you just start shifting because it's just such an annoying sound and it's uncomfortable, but it, it's done in a way which that's obviously the point of the film. So like Justin Kurzweil does such a great job in that. And the way this movie ends again, you just, you were sitting, I was in, there was maybe five other people in the cinema that I was seeing this in. Pin drop, absolute hero pin drop because it fades to black. You sort of get the text at the screen, sort of, you know, wrapping it up, sort of saying what happened and everything along those lines. And then even when the credits start rolling, there's just silence. There's background noise. You can hear the ocean in the background and you literally sit there. You, you just, you sit there and you just, you digest it. And that, I think, I don't think I've ever had that in a film before. The closest I can ever think of is United 93. The way that movie ends, you again, it's a similar film when you know it's got such tragic circumstances. You understand what's happening and the way that kind of just ends, you, you sit there and you're like, holy crap, like, wow, that that leaves a mark on you. And I think that the thing, the one thing that I will say that I took away from watching this film and it fits into the whole mentality of should this film exist, shouldn't exist, you leave that cinema with a real sense of just just shock or and again you've got to process everything that you've seen and i think that's particularly again prominent for for tasmanians who who lived through it and still live with it it's something that i as a journalist i worked at our main newspaper in tasmania and whenever there was a story or an anniversary came up i worked there when the 20th anniversary happened it was the way we handled it the way it was talked about it was barely mentioned it was just done in such a way that it's got to be done very tastefully and everything because people still, even 20, it's been 25 years of the time this movie has been released, that people just don't talk about it because it's still that raw. 
And that's where I think you leave the film feeling that sense of whatever. And, and I, I would be very interested if Colin watched this film and who's got real no connection to Tasmania except for myself, how that would affect him. Similar to when I talked about Schumacher by myself uh, a month or so ago, that kind of as a massive Michael Schumacher fan, I'm going to take it differently than, say, a non-Schumacher fan. This is, I think, the similar thing where, as a Tasmanian, live through that, you take it differently. So I guess it's got an impact on you, and it definitely just you walk out. And I, I straight away after seeing this film, I met a friend for a coffee, and the first question she asked me was, was how was it? And I struggled to say it was good because... This is a good film. I'm like I I will say this right now. It is a good film. But it's hard to say it's a good film because of the subject matter and knowing what it's about and still how personal it feels as a Tasmanian. So it's even doing this review is very hard. It's very tricky. It's very hard to even express what I'm feeling about this movie out into words. It even feels strange to say that Caleb Landry Jones is amazing in this film. It's because, again, it, it feels like I'm offering praise to something that I shouldn't be. As a piece of art, as a, as a film, this is a great film. I'm saying it right now. This is an amazingly well-crafted film that does, I think, what it's meant to do. Paint a picture of a, of a horrific event from an absolutely depraved, disturbed person and you leave the cinema feeling like you've watched a film about that. You don't in any way sympathise with him. You don't in any way feel anything that you maybe didn't expect to. And I think movies like this are important sometimes because it's not about glorifying a person. It's not about glorifying an event. It's just showcasing that there are people like this that exist who do things that we are never going to understand. And it can be done in a way... I guess the word tasteful was constantly asked to me. And I will say it was done in a tasteful manner. This wasn't done in a way that you walk out and you feel disgusted. Why did they do that? They shouldn't have shown that. How dare they? They don't disrespect any victim of this shooting. They don't disrespect anything along those lines. And that's where I think this film, just as a piece of art, I don't even say it's important. Relevant, maybe, is the correct word. Because... I can see why people have said this film shouldn't exist. I 100% understand that. But at the same time, I saw a reviewer say that, you know, they personally don't feel it should exist, but as a piece of art, it has a right to exist, and then that's up to the person if they want to see it or not. Now, we could do a whole episode on Australia's censorship of movies in the past and there's some very famous examples of movies that have been banned in this country because of censorship. And there's been protests showing, showed. I remember Ken Park, I think back in the early 2000s, where they just would not show it in Australia. And there were some very prominent film critics who were like, no, this is wrong. People have a right to see this film. So they held like underground screenings of it and got arrested based purely on the fact that I want to show art. And I think it's important that, if it's done in a way, and I've seen Ken Park and I can see why it was banned. It's very graphic in terms of the sexual nature of that film, but it's still not something that is out there to cause a disruption in the community, if that makes sense. So I think this film, it is not there to do that. It's not a big F you to the victims or glorifying Martin Bright. It's none of that. It's just a film that really kind of makes you, think it makes you feel uncomfortable and it 
it is a story that I feel people, if they want to see it, should be able to see it. And if they don't, they won't see it. Legitimately, every person I have spoken to that I have said I'm going to see this film has has shaken their head and gone, no, I, I wouldn't see that. That shouldn't exist. And they are locals. They are people here who are older than me and even people who are younger than me that weren't even around when this shooting happened. They have all kind of just been like, no, that movie shouldn't exist. And that's still coming from a perspective here in this city and this state where this is still so raw. But personally, I, and this, I don't know how this will sound, but I don't have an issue with this film existing. If it exists and people want to see it, let them see it. If they don't want to see it, don't, don't see it. So I think that it's been interesting seeing, I guess, the controversy around this film. I can understand it. But again, I also think it has a right to be shown if people want to see it. I question that when it came to them delaying it in Tasmania and nearly not showing it here. Because ultimately, as I said before, it's about to be dropped on a streaming service here in Australia. So even if state cinema everywhere in Tasmania was like, nope, we're not showing this film at all, you would have been able to see it on streaming in, in about 10 days' time anyway. So it's... um. Yeah, it's, it's a very, very interesting one. And I've read a few interviews, actually, with Justin Curzel, who he basically was saying that he, he got the script and he, he questioned whether he should make it and he dreaded making it. And he went to the first screening of this in Hobart a week ago and he, he questioned whether it should be shown in Tasmania. He even said that. He said that I question whether this should be shown in Tasmania. And and I think, like, I, I want to really give Justin Curzel some praise because again I, I went into this with more of a negative thought on the fact that I didn't like one of his other movies thinking that if it's anything like Snowtown why do I want to watch this but he I think he was a perfect person to do this because again given that he lives in Tasmania he is able to I guess convey that and he he knew what he was getting himself into I mean again we literally had the premiere of Tasmania Peter Gutwin saying no do not come here and film you are not going to be welcomed here to film this movie. We don't want it. Basically, completely denounced the film. And from what I've seen in interviews, he's completely respected everything. And again, I think a lot of that comes from the fact that he lives in Tasmania. So he can understand that. I don't know about his history with Snowtown, if he lived in Adelaide or, or the surrounding areas during that period. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. But again, I feel that the Snowtown murders, are, uh, they were very horrific and people like I was a kid when that happened and I remember the news around that but that didn't I guess sit in the psyche of Australia to, to kind of really put it into con- I this is a very strange comparison and I don't really think it fits but it, it, it obviously didn't hit on a global scale like a 9-11 did but you know this was one of those moments that everyone in Australia knows where they were when it happened and, and all that kind of stuff and and just remember sitting with it everything I was in Christchurch. Uh, I was in Christ. I was in. I was living in New Zealand when Christchurch happened a couple of years ago, and that affects you when you live in a very small country like that. Even if you live at the other end of the country, and I know New Zealanders who that was a very hard thing and still hard to stomach, and that's very fresh and very recent. I mean, this was an event that happened not only in a country where this never happens, but in a of all the places, if you were to say this was to happen in Australia, you'd say it happened in Sydney, it would happen in Melbourne, it happened in Brisbane. You would never. Tasmania would be the last place on the entire in the entire country to think this would happen. So that's where it does hit very hard. And again, for Tasmanians in particular. I guess what I'm trying to say with all of this film, this is not a movie 
that you are that you are just going to get up and watch. This is a movie that you are going to watch because you want to see it in terms of the subject matter or you'll flat out refuse to watch. I it's 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 even when it comes to recommending this movie it's hard. It's very hard for me to say watch this film because again as I said before, talking about this is hard because of, of the subject matter. If I'm to try and be devoid of all connection to what this film is about, who it's about, and anything along these lines, it is a very well-crafted, great film. And I will say right now, as a review here on the Oz Network, I am buying this film. But I definitely wouldn't say this is a movie that just go out and watch prepare yourself for a, a, a pretty disturbing film that maybe if you don't know about what happened in real life, that maybe you'll view it differently. But if you're someone who is very familiar with the Port Arthur Massacre, then maybe it is something that sits with you differently and, and it's something that, yeah, you never want to sit down and watch. So it's it's a very – I honestly went into this – review this recording right now not even knowing how i was going to talk about it and not really thinking that i would feel this way but sitting here for about half an hour talking by myself and trying to compute everything out there is actually i'm gonna say this right now probably the most difficult episode ever i've ever done of any podcast so it, it it is fascinating to be able to have to say that and kind of not really um i feel we able to compute my words out there and, and try and be light or anything along those lines because it's it's not this is definitely not an, uh, a movie that I can I can be that way with so yeah in con- in conclusion Nitram as a film is a great film it's very well done very well acted it's very disturbing it's not going to be for everyone but I will say it's a buy out of buy rent and bin and again if this continues to maybe get a bit more of that awards buzz around it. I think that any nomination would be warranted as a film. It's just a subject matter which makes that very difficult to accept it, if that makes sense. And, yeah, I'm not too sure how much buzz it will sort of generate out there as we get closer and closer to that season. From what I'm reading about the odds and everything along those lines, it's sort of mid-range. It's sort of not in the top 20 or so. It's not in the bottom, like, 50 or so, but... I think that's generally probably a sign where it's it's probably not necessarily going to be out there, but uh, it's um yeah it's an interesting one and and I guess if you're listening outside of Australia, I I actually am not aware of how or where it's been released. Talking to Colin, he has not seen any of this being released. This might be just one of those ones that will drop on a streaming service. If you're in Australia, it is dropping on Stan, I believe, in the 26th, I think, or so of October. And it's still in cinemas, of course. Uh, most parts of the country, just, I think, in regular cinemas. If you're listening in Hobart, it's at the State Cinema. But, yeah, so uh, if you if you want to watch it, go ahead. Uh, but, again, it's, it's definitely not going to be for everyone in terms of just the subject matter. So there you go. Look, we're going to end this now. Uh, it's just been an interesting episode and uh, definitely a very difficult one to do. But I will say, just in terms of what we've got coming on the Oz Network, outside of this, tomorrow at the time of releasing this episode we're doing a, another special episode the australian survivor hall of fame is returning and we are doing 
like we did last year, a preview episode, just a general discussion around thoughts and predictions and everything along those lines with myself and a couple of the expert panel members. So that'll be dropping tomorrow. And we're also celebrating our 10th anniversary here on the Oz Network in terms of 10 years since we started as Survivor Oz. We, of course, are now the Oz Network, but Colin and myself did a special episode with that. We also joined by the mother of Survivor Oz slash the Oz Network, Gillian Larson. It's a it's an interesting episode. It gets a bit personal, that one. So uh, listen to that one if you're a long-term listener to the Oz Network, and we celebrate our 10-year anniversary on air. Not going quite the whole shebang like we did with our 1,000th episode early in the year, but uh, still a, a bit of a celebration there as well for our 10th anniversary. And we've got some great stuff coming up in terms of other content. We've got 24 Breaking Bad and Lost episodes every single week. And also, speaking of 24, in a couple of weeks' time, we're celebrating the 20th anniversary of 24. We've got a reunion episode, similar to what we did with Third Watch a couple of years back. Got a couple of cast members, one of the executive producers joining us. Great chat. Goes for a couple of hours and uh, just reminiscing over memories over the TV show 24. So uh, you'll definitely want to tune into that one if you are a fan of 24 plenty to keep you occupied here on the oz network it's been an interesting episode today that's for sure my name is ben this is the oz network thanks for joining us we'll speak to you next time good night thanks for downloading this episode of the oz network make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast by apple Podcasts, spotify stitcher google Podcasts, or by copying our rss feed into your preferred podcast provider And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening and we'll speak to you next time. like exclusive stuff? Yes, sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah! If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon! That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made.